Welcome back to Normies Like Us. The podcast reminds you it's hip to be square. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and recently on Disney+, Plus, someone thought, what if Star Wars and anime? We're here to talk Star Wars visions on Normies Like Us. Star Wars Visions is going to be an exciting anime anthology series. Star Wars, if you want to do it, I'm going to Long ago, a great warrior came to this village. I accept this responsibility. Welcome back. You heard it up top. It is Normies Like Us, and we're going to be talking Star Wars Visions, only today I'm flying solo as far as Normies. Uh, this is Mike, joined by a very special guest and longtime friend of the show. Adam and Tilly's back at it. Do I get to keep my Star Wars name? Yeah, you can keep your Star Wars name. I guess I should have uh, picked one as well, like uh, Mike Podcast 2 or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know... <laughs> There's definitely better ones in there, but we're not going to restart. We're going to keep it rolling. Um, talk no, I'm Star sticking Wars to that name all night. Mike Podcast 2. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> three of my favorite hosts are missing tonight. I know. It's crazy. There's been um, a disturbance in the force, I guess. Um, I know personally uh, a lot of people are excited to talk about this, but there are some conflicts of schedules. And, you know, even the other half of Cargo Bay was going to join. So, um as if a million voices cried out all at once and then we're suddenly silenced it's uh it's true there's there's dark side energy at play here that's my mike the co-host of the cargo bay uh bc ness also uh thwarted by the dark side but not for long these champions long. will return that's right these champions will return because no matter how dark there's always a light and i think one of those lights in the world of star wars media as of late I would say is Star Wars Visions, um, the anthology series now available on Disney Plus. Pay your money and go watch it because yeah. it's actually pretty good. I think. I mean, before we get into each episode, how do you how did you feel kind of diving back into the Star Wars Visions and what were your thoughts on the project kind of when it was announced? Well, I'm here to be the antagonist. I hated it. I hated. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I was I was excited uh, when I heard about it um, mm -hmm. because. Uh, something I regret saying on this podcast is I've compared uh, Rise of Skywalker to an anime. And what mm. I meant is that it had, you know, a huge scale and kind of it didn't seem like there were big studio limitations on how broad it could be and kind of absurd. Um, mm. And I feel like that's kind of derogatory toward anime. Uh, the anime <laughs> that I consume, I really like. I'm just pretty selective about it. Um so I was really stoked uh, when this was announced. Um, I just wanted, wondered how much oversight Disney was going to have, right? I was worried that it might be stifled. Um, but I was like, if Disney is actually just giving some money to animation studios, uh, that's awesome. And it kind of seems like that's what happened for the most part. Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems like that's what happened. Um, and we'll get into that in more detail. And Personally, when I first found out about the project, I was really excited. And a couple of weeks ago, we did a, a Matrix episode. We kind of touched on the Animatrix, which is a similar sort of anime anthology um, series, um, taking a, a larger world and letting the anime uh, artists kind of go crazy in there. And that's what we've got here. And, you know, I, I like anime a lot, but really I'm more of a um, international film person. And I've been a big Kurosawa fan, you know, 
most of my teenage and adult life, you know, I have uh, the Hidden Fortress uh, <laughs> Criterion Collection right here, which will get comparisons to. So I really like the idea of it's kind of well known that Star Wars originally was based on the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell and also a lot of Kurosawa, specifically the Hidden Fortress. So to kind of take that and then throw it back to Japan and say, show me what you got, essentially. And, and what's your spin on this kind of universe that was at least partially inspired by art that was created, you know, in your nation? And let's see what happens. And I think it was a match made in heaven. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I mean, obviously, there was some stuff that I I didn't love, you know, and in how many episodes are there? Nine, nine There's episodes. Nine. There were a few yeah, things just that the I same didn't numbers love. Same number as mainline movies of Star Wars films. Oh, that makes sense. Well, there are some mainline I don't know Star if they're Wars poetry movies. And they rhyme. <laughs> I've, well, they they rhyme in some ways I can think of precisely. Yes. Uh, but but what I was going to say is um, I really liked you know. Uh, or I guess what I was going to say is I didn't think that anything was a misstep while watching this. I just kind of let it, you know, all hit me and I didn't really have any negative judgment about most of it. Even if some things weren't for me, I wasn't like, well, they should have done this. I was like, no, they should just do whatever they want. This is great. Um, That's what this is for. Yeah. Yeah. And I really liked, um, you know, speaking of kind of taking things back where they came from. I loved when lightsabers were just straight up light katanas in places where it's like, yeah, the, the lightsabers are katanas, man. Like yeah. we're not gonna, we're not gonna like tiptoe around it. This was taken from us. Like we yeah. can make lightsaber katanas and it's fine. A samurai and a Jedi are not so dissimilar, right? right. And yeah. Bushido code in the way of the Jedi, right? That kind of stuff. So it's like, yeah, this is kind of ours. And, you know, the Darksaber kind of looked like a traditional sword blade. So that's it's not true. the first time we're seeing it. But I, I do like the creative direction they take in a lot of these. Last thing I want to ask you, Star Wars, really, before we jump into these episodes. You know, we like Star Wars a lot, Adam. And we had a tournament. Didn't win the tournament, but we do Star Wars Squadrons. We had a big event. Uh, so it's been all Star Wars all weekend for us. And uh, just wanted to mention that. But overall, you know, Junk Squadron mentioned a few times on the show. I think I think we put in a good fight, you know. Hey, Junk Squadron, our, our aim was always to be like mediocre players who maybe threw some upsets. Like, I think that was kind of my goal when we started it was like, oh, well, maybe occasionally we'll uh, get some hype from screwing things up. And this mm-hmm. is now, so we played in Cadet Cup 4. This is now the second tournament in a row where Junk Squadron has gone undefeated and tied our way out of the tournament only to have been the only team to tie with the championship team in the tournament. Uh, so the bracket didn't treat us well, but I don't know. I think we're great pilots each and every one of us. And I think we, yeah. we did okay. I think we did okay. And yeah, undefeated. No team has beaten us in back-to-back games and only the winners have, you know, we were the only ones who took a game off them. So good job for junk squadron, but it has been a star Wars weekend for me and Adam, and we are ready to jump into these episodes. We're going to set it into blocks of three. We got nine of them. So we'll do the, the prequels, <laughs> the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy, I guess. <laughs> so we'll break it down. So right after this, we'll get into the first batch of three of Star Wars Visions on Normies like Star us. Wars All right. Audiences will fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back. It's Normies Like Us. It's Star Wars Visions, and we're about to take our first look at the first three of these shorts, these anthologies. They're each about 20 minutes in this uh, in this series, so somewhere in there. So the first three we're going to talk about are The Duel, which was done by Kamikaze Doga, mostly known for their JoJo's Bizarre Adventure opening animations, like half 3D, half 2D. That's kind of their style. You see that here. Uh, we have Tatooine Rhapsody by Studio Colorido, uh, which I don't know too much about them, but they do work with Twin Engine, who also works with Gino Studio, who does Lop and Ocho later on in the show. So maybe there's kind of an umbrella corporation, not in a Resident Evil sense, but working together. Then we have the Twins, which is done by Trigger, famous for Kill la Kill, most popularly, and... Um, those are going to be our first three. So let's start here at the very beginning. The Duel. Uh, kind of a Yojimbo throwback. It's got a, a samurai story, right? Adam, what do you think about The Duel as a way to open this whole anthology? Yeah, I mean, uh, what a way to open. I think uh, Disney yeah. knew what they were doing, kind of throwing this one at the front. And also, you know, you got an R2 unit and a straw hat. Like, I can't remember if that's in the opening sequence or not, but it's kind of like, oh, here's the tone. There. Here's the tone. We're going to do some like samurai stuff with a little bit of Star Wars underneath almost. Um, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I mean, overall, I loved it. Big fan. So for me, my favorite Kurosawa movie is Yojimbo. And um, it's Toshiro Mifune. He is the nameless Ronin. And uh, this character is just called Ronin. He generally shows up at the village, solves the problem, and gets out. So we're getting that template. But even the opening title card with the galactic basic over uh, the landscape, like that is a, a recreation of the Yojimbo opening title card. So like, okay. heavily. I didn't like, remember that, but that's awesome. Yeah. So heavily kind of throwing back to that. And we get, in my opinion, um, some of the coolest lightsaber ideas. You know, we got we got memes, let's say, of Kylo Ren when his lightsaber came out and people put 15 blades on it. We actually right. do get like a 15 bladed lightsaber here, but it kind of works um, with this umbrella uh, action. So any thoughts on the, the way the lightsabers are portrayed? There's a big battle, obviously. It's a Ronin, so... I, yeah, I loved it. Um, just kind of specifically immediately letting the audience for this show know, like, hey, we got some freedom here to do what we want. Like, you've never seen anything like this before. Um, I, I thought it was super cool uh, mm -hmm. when that, that character comes out. I can't remember uh, her name. But it's the, like our Sith, our antagonist for this short, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I love the vibe of this character 1,000%. And I also... I'm a classic single-bladed lightsaber guy. I love when the antagonist has, like, some crazy sabers and our hero is just rocking the standard. Um, yeah, yeah. What I like about this kind of umbrella lightsaber, too, is it, it introduces the idea that it's not, like, ten lightsabers all attached to create this umbrella. It's like she sticks a normal lightsaber into an apparatus that will then diffuse the blade into multiple directions, which... I just like that idea, and I've never seen that before. And even the way our hero pulls his lightsaber out, it's like from a sheath. Like, I don't know how you do that. There's like an arc wave happening, whatever. But like just interesting stuff, you know, obviously very samurai inspired. And our hero just having the single blade. The twist in this, however, we, we meet our, our hero, and we assume he's a roaming Jedi who goes and rights wrongs and stops the Sith. However, at the moment of... Uh, 
the reveal when he pulls out his lightsaber to do combat, he has a red lightsaber, which is a kind of a shocking twist. What do you think about that? Yeah, that was a it was a great setup um, and eventually a great payoff of like, is this guy even a good guy? Is he going to who knows what he's going to do? Um, and that's kind of the vibe you get from Jimbo, too. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, this guy is. Uh, well, he's a Ronin. Um, and I, I thought it served its purpose really well. Um, and I also, you know, that like you said, the diffusion of the lightsaber crystal is really cool. We get a lot of like play in the future with like lightsaber types. And that's something that the extended uh, expanded universe has always been more interesting with is like, oh, man, maybe you can make your lightsaber longer and it's a little weaker. Or maybe, you know, like Plo Koon mm-hmm. used to have an orange lightsaber before, you know, that didn't show up. Well he didn't. Camera. And then now Ray does again. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Ray's is yellow compared to. Plo's oh, yeah. He had the orange. orange. Yeah. yeah. His Proper was orange. bright orange. I think there's a. I guess Jedi power battles. He's I was going to say, that that's jet. what I remember from his Jedi power <laughs> battles. I always liked that. But um, yeah, interesting stuff with the lightsabers. Um, thematically, there's a lot interesting going on here. I want to ask you, do, where do you think this was most inspired by? Are we thinking, is it a prequel trilogy inspired thing, an original trilogy inspired thing, or a sequel trilogy inspired thing? Obviously, the samurai references are very direct and on the head. But from the Star Wars side, what do you think they were pulling from most heavily, in your opinion? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if they were drawing from a specific era, uh, like you obviously have like Galactic Empire troopers. Um, to me, this feels like a post Return of the Jedi, like kind of in between phase, except you got the Sith in here. So I don't know. It's confusing. Um, ah, right, it's right. like thinking of a lot of Sith. This is thousands of years ago, you know, perhaps this is like Knights of the Old Republic before Knights of the Old Republic, uh, at least in my mind. But as far as like thematically what they're drawing from, um, I don't know. I think this one kind of stands outside of the lore a little bit because it's not really playing on balance so much, you know? Well, let me put on my my over-analysis film school goggles. Please do. So I consider this heavily based on the prequel era, specifically um, Revenge of the Sith, where we have two light side Jedi fighting on a river of lava where here we have two dark side Jedi fighting on a water river. Ah, and I then like where, it. whereas one tries to overestimate, don't try it and gets cut down. The other, our hero in this one uses a decoy second lightsaber to trick and use an underhanded tactic to take out his adversary showing it's not as pure as a Jedi, but it's like the mirror. It rhymes with uh, the revenge of the Sith final battle. That's that's rhyme number one. That's the first bar in this uh, Star <laughs> in this Wars verse. Sixteen off the dome. So, um, yeah, we find out this guy is uh, not a Jedi and collecting kyber crystals from other Sith. He's feeling maybe um, remorseful for his past, and it's just an interesting character. And it's like, well, there you go, Star Wars Visions. I think you've done something good here. Yeah, what a great reveal when he reveals all those crystals. I mean, it's just like an immediate, you understand what has happened. And it's a great mm-hmm. moment. And yeah, also, and why, yeah, he had two lightsabers. Like he's been doing this for a while. Very cool. Yeah, he's got that little, what do you call it, a Tonto blade, the, the smaller blade. Yeah, that he's he willing to cheat. You know, it's like this is thematically it, doing it. It's right? like if Batman killed the Joker, you know? It's like, all yeah. right, moral code, I don't know, just kill some Sith. 
He's not a Jedi, right? <laughs> just get it done, whatever it costs. And I think the uh, Kamikaze Doga definitely got it done here. Interesting art style with the 3D. The action is really, really well done, too. <laughs> Character design, it's awesome. The Trandosian, and shout out to the Doug and a robot. Yeah. And, I mean, to, to have such a striking visual style and it be, you know, interesting enough that that's still what you choose to lead your series off with. You know, I think, obviously, like a full-color episode might have been you know, what Disney would have wanted to put on that marquee. But no, this was this was fantastic. Even uh, something more traditionally 2D animated, you know, right. you think might be the way to go. But that is something we get next. We do get a more cartoonish, regular animation style with Tatooine Rhapsody by Studio Colorido. Like I said, they kind of work with Twin Engine. Not too familiar with their body work. But this is more of a... Uh, a genre piece, I guess. Are, are you familiar, like, with kind of the band genre of, of content in Japan? The closest I've come to anything like that is watching Kids on the Slopes, um, which is, you know, an anime. I don't remember the studio, but it's from the Cowboy mm-hmm. Bebop studio, I believe, or same director. And it's about, like, gotcha. kids in a jazz band in high school. Um, and it's amazing. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean I'm going to watch a jazz band play live, but it's anime? <laughs> like, that doesn't yeah. sound cool at all. No, it was great. But that's my only exposure. Gotcha. Because this, to me, feels like um, th- there's a whole genre of this. There's a f- popular manga called Nana that's about a rock band. There's, you know, Linda Linda is a, f- a movie. about. There's a lot of rock band or, you know, high school band. It's almost like um, like the sports movie genre where it's about like the ragtag group. It's about friendship and bonding and then, you know, doing the big show and, and coming together because power of friendship. Right. So it is like an interesting idea where this is kind of a band movie set in the Star Wars universe, which is very different than the first thing we got. What do you think about Tatooine Rhapsody? We're in a familiar setting and a familiar placement, at least. Well, let me just say that initially looking at the episode title um, and kind of the art style, I was like, this one's not going to be for me. Like, I do not like musicals. Um, uh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure what exactly, if there's like a subgenre of anime that this style belongs to. I, I in my miseducation, I'm saying that the characters look kind of like chibi, you know, they got, the I think that would be the shorthand there. Yeah. Kind yeah. of exaggerated big head. Yeah. But when I got For into sure. it, uh, the animation was so beautiful. Um, I thought it looked amazing and really just, I just kind of enjoyed it aside from the, the English version of the song. I was not a big fan of, um, uh, there's a big, you know, finale song. I listened to it in Japanese, liked it a lot more. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, overall I had a great time. I'd put it in my top six. <laughs> episodes yeah, yeah, your top six. I'll get to the ranking. That's one thing I did want to mention, by the way, I watched this twice and I've watched it in all Japanese and all in English, every episode. So I kind of have a preference for each episode and the first two, uh, the duel and Tatooine Rhapsody, I'm definitely say Japanese is the preferred because the song is just a lot better. Joseph Gordon-Levitt tried. But the mix is weird. It's like, you know, it wasn't written to be in English exactly. I, so I, I appreciate that he did kind of an unconventional like voice in the song. I just, you know, it, it's hard to match those lyrics in English. It's really, you know, it's a little saccharine. Um, yeah. But this is probably we get a little bit of lightsaber in the beginning. We learned that this singer of the band was a Jedi who was escaped and fell through the roof of this um 
Hut, this nephew of Jabba or something, who was in a band and he joins the band and his lightsaber's broken, but he uses it as a microphone stand-in. So, you know, interesting stuff. Not a lot of, there's no real sword fighting in this. It is really a band thing. And um, the best thing about it, though, the, the I guess inciting incident is the bassist, the, the Hut who brings him in, is wanted by Jabba. And Boba Fett, little Boba Fett shows up to take him in and they got to they got to get him out somehow. What do you think of little Boba Fett? This is probably the best thing about the English language version. Absolutely. I uh, the most tickled I was actually the second most uh, enjoyable moment was when that voice reveal and it all hit me of like, oh, Disney has money and Disney has access to Tamura to actually be Boba Fett and seeing a Mm -hmm. big headed, cute little Boba Fett get the same voice as like, you know, badass Boba Fett really was a, it was a joy. It really cracked me up. Yeah. And there's something about like this cartoonized version. Like I'm imagining the Boba Fett probably did just roll up into a rock venue and arrest the bassist. Cause like, I don't, I don't care if you're playing a show. Like I'm a, I'm a bounty hunter. You're out of here, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'm going to um, take you away. Yeah, so it was really cute in his presentation, but I could see him just doing that, just rolling up to the modal nodes and being like, you're coming with me. Yeah, um, R.I.P. modal nodes. Uh, yeah. Boba took him away. Uh, yeah, Boba got him. But th- they try to break him out of jail basically by saying, let us play a concert at the pod racing event before you execute him. And then, you know, they went over the crowd and they get sponsored. It's a cute little story, but I don't know what um, more analysis there is. It's just a cute kind of band movie, but definitely influenced by the prequels based on where the Tatooine pod races. Yeah. And this is the most star Wars one, I would say, right? Like this is, this Uh, relies more heavily on the star Wars universe than any of the others. More heavily on things we're familiar with and iconography that we're used to. Correct. Yeah. That's, that's 100% true. Um, so yeah, you get something very Japanese inspired than something very star Wars. And then I guess we get to the third one, which I think is a really interesting one. The Twins by Trigger. Again, Kill a Kill. They're known for kind of stylized action and very interesting stuff. We have two twins, dark side twins. They're supposed to be a conduit and their dark armor to shoot like a giant space laser coming out of two Star Destroyers that are also thematically conjoined together like twins. (laughs) And uh, the... The sister is more about it than the brother is, and uh, conflict ensues. What do we think about the twins? I I will say I love the first five minutes of this one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really like this, like kind of the striking visual style, uh, especially you know with all the imperial iconography. Uh, the sister who's got kind of a female Darth Vader, like. I guess not feminine and there's nothing feminine about his super sharp angles and maybe like, you know, a very slender helmet. I just thought it was all cool. Yeah. The, the English, uh, voice actor playing her, I think is fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I liked this one less than some of the others maybe, but probably just because of the theme. Um, you know, uh, we'll mm. talk about that in just a second, but you know, it was a good yeah. time. So for me, I really like this one a lot. Um, and I would say it's also the one I would consider the most firmly influenced by the sequel trilogies. And we can talk Absolutely. about that too. Yeah. But even as we meet these characters and it, it looks like they were engineered to be the perfect conduit for 
dark side energy. So like we get the cloning and dark secrets only the Sith knew, you know, we're getting that kind of stuff. But it's also like they're an inverse, the rhyme of a Luke and Leah, but made for the dark side. And, you know, right. and we're getting kind of inverses to some of that um, sequel trilogy stuff too. like Kylo wants Ray to join him, except this time, you know. Kylo's the good guy and Ray's the bad guy, kind of. So they're they're dealing with that stuff. What do you think about kind of the sequel trilogy influence on this one? Yeah, one one hundred percent. You know, this was was taken from the dyad and the force. Um, yeah, which you know, I mean, that is part of Star Wars lore now. So I got to swallow that pill. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I really thought it made sense as a concept. Like I saw where it was going, and I. I liked it and I liked the characters. It was just a lot to digest in 20 minutes, you know, especially when a big portion of that is a fight sequence. Um, yeah. Which was, was cool. I just, you know, I was a little, I was a little disinterested once I realized we weren't going to get much more like development of that storyline. It was like, okay, now we're going to duke it out. Yeah, yeah, you get a little bit of the brother has a force vision where he sees the road she's going down and he wants to save her, which is, we'll see this theme a lot too, wanting to save the people important to you comes right. up a lot in these. Uh, we're keying in on what these uh, Japanese studios really find compelling about the Star Wars universe of uh, lightsabers and uh, personal relationships and more than spaceships. Laser bolts. Like freezing laser bolts. We get this. Is the first time we see that, or did we see that in the duel? I think we might have seen it in the duel. It's all over the it place. It might have happened in the duel. Yeah. <laughs> we, they'd stop the stun rays in this, which was the first. But uh, yeah, I, I think the battle was actually really cool. I'm not one for like lightsaber whips, but this thing is so stylized. They're like breathing in space without helmets. You just kind of let it go. Um, yeah, I liked her suit with all the lightsaber tendrils, actually. I thought it was cool. Because the suit is a piece of technology that channels dark force energy so it's like maybe she can just bend these light tendrils like because she's so powerful it's like yeah i'll buy it um so interesting stuff they do the holdo maneuver with the hero standing on the x-wing outside of it and using the engine to make his lightsaber blade bigger and they just floor it and cut the old uh star destroyer oh. in half i love that as ridiculous as it was i like that that's a better way to get that image than the actual holdo maneuver in my opinion i think that's i'll accept that more than i will the holdo maneuver and maybe I mean, this could go a lot of ways, but maybe the most anime thing in all nine of these is that moment. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should try to we should try to pick one before this is over. That, that's one that I'll throw out as a nominee for now. But anything else to say on the twins before we uh, take a break and talk the next batch of three? Uh, just that it was funny that it's like, OK, this guy's a good guy. Let's really prove it. Here's an X-Wing. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, that's true. Right. And an R2 unit. It was a, yeah. a sort of R2 unit. Just it was hanging modified, out. But. I guess they captured it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, can I get one of these for my birthday? That's true. I wonder why you had that. But yeah, three strong, very different episodes to open this thing up. Let's see what the, uh, the middle act of Star Wars Visions has to offer. Coming up next. We're back. We're talking Star Wars Visions. We broke down the first three. Now we're talking the second group of three in this series of nine, just like the main Star Wars movies. Um, The first in this block is The Village Bride, done by Kinema Citrus. I am not too familiar with this studio or their work. I think they did some more um, kind of feature-length animations, not so much television shows, but don't quote me. Um, Then we have The Ninth Jedi, 
um, which is obviously reference to the Seventh Samurai. The Japanese title is very similar to Shichunin no Samurai, blah, 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 no Jedi. Um, and then we have T.O.B. One from Science Saru. Uh, again, a studio I'm not too familiar with. Uh, and Production IG, by the way, sorry, The Ninth Jedi is Production IG. And they're kind of known for uh, more TV shows and things like that. Um, but yeah, we got this group of three here. Start with The Village Bride. Uh, it's a weird one, right? Yeah. yeah. In my opinion, I think it's a weird one. You kind of want to explain plot roughly or what, you know, what is this whole thing? So as I understand it, the plot is there is a criminal syndicate of some kind that has resurrected a battle droid army in order to control this village. You know, they've just, just stripped resources out. And part of what they come to take is the daughter of the chief of the town, I believe, and her to be wed husband. And so they know they have to make this sacrifice. And there is a Jedi Padawan, I believe, there um, Mm -hmm. who sees this going on and is upset by it and stops it. (laughs) That's that's pretty much the the plot, right? That's pretty much it. The way I was looking at this, and uh, let's see if you agree. I definitely, obviously, the battle droids, I slot this into a prequel influenced work. Uh, Padawan with Braid. I think yeah. we're in a kind of a post-Order 66 world because she does seem to be in hiding. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, because they're saying, oh, the, the Empire won't find you here. So, she seems to be in hiding, sees something that she doesn't agree with and tries to make it right. Another kind of Yojimbo, you know, reference, you know, comes into the town, likes the locals and tries to help them out. So, um, I, I kind of like was a little bored by this one at times not to say it's bad but it definitely didn't hook me the same way in the first maybe two-thirds the ending of it is some action you know but there is action the bride but it's pretty stiff action at the end after such a long kind of like really focusing on these characters and a and kind of really a subtle you know struggle here that's happening um yeah, it, it then has a brief action sequence that's pretty stiff. You know, there's there's not a lot of fluid action, which was a little disappointing after the buildup. But I mean, the, the animation is pretty. Uh, it, it definitely takes it things in a different direction than most. Of, it almost uses Star Wars just as a backdrop, uh, which I can appreciate. Yeah, and there was something with the way they were kind of honoring nature. It's like the force almost. I can't remember what they were calling it, but like like the Megara. Like, does it, do you feel it too? They had a different word for the force, but they still kind of were communing with it, this this, um, group. So so I like that they're kind of building on the force lore and other cultures having different names for it. Um, And I guess new Star Wars stuff is now we have a light side user with a mask on because it appears that maybe her master was killed in order 66. That's me guessing she yeah. survived. It has to wear the mask and she has the braid. And at one point, you know, self cuts off the braid to graduate herself to Jedi and even calls herself that as she kind of saves the villagers. Lightsaber is yellow. Looks like a katana. What do we think? It has a little glow yeah. around the, uh, yeah, the the hilt there. A yellow ring up uh, at the top of the hilt. Yeah. I mean, pretty lightsaber. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's cool to see it. Yeah. But, but uh, I feel like this one, I really might have missed, you know, some of the poetry of this one just from English translation. You know, I could be wrong, but this, this seems to be one that's supposed to wash over you kind of in an emotional way. Um, so I feel like that yeah. might be part of what I was missing. Um, 
but I love the spaceship Maybe. in it. Um, I love the the bad oh, yeah. guy crew. It was a cool looking bad guy crew. Was that like a Millennium Falcon similar model, but it had the uh, module still in the nose? Yeah, it, it looked like a YT, you know, something or other, uh, like a YT, yeah, Corellian built whatever. Um, but yeah, it still had the chunk in the middle, and then on the side it had like what looked like a giant missile bay or something. I, I think that might be a ship that exists elsewhere in the canon. Um, but I, I would imagine a lot of these ships they probably got. CG models and stuff sent over from Disney, you know, hooked them up with it too if they wanted them. Ah, gotcha. So, yeah, little stuff, like you said, it's pretty good in Japanese, this one I do like in Japanese, and her companion has that metal mask, and that looks just kind of like the weaved basket kind of monk uh, attire from traditional Japanese culture, so it's like, it's definitely leaning on that kind of bygone era of stuff, and I think definitely watch this one in Japanese. Um, the next one up, though, um, number five on our list, but the ninth Jedi, again, production IG. This one we got, um, there's a guy who's trying to re- resurrect the Jedi. He hires a sabersmith to make a bunch of lightsabers to outfit them because they are really hard to come by at this point in time. Um, and then there's also a group trying to hunt down all Jedi and anybody helping them, um, which puts our saber smith in danger, which means it's up to his daughter to deliver the lightsabers safely to the hopefully resurrecting Jedi forces. What do we think of the ninth Jedi? Uh, this is one of the ones that I enjoyed more, especially from, you know, like kind of just a, a, a plot aspect, you know, is interesting. They give you the misdirect of, the Jedi looks like he's probably a Sith and it's probably a trap. And then the trap turns out to be that actually all the other Jedi are Sith, you know, sent yeah. or, or, you know, at least bad guys um, uh, who were sent to intercept the Jedi and the lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of playing, uh, playing the part of Jedi. They look very virtuous. Meanwhile, the guy who's trying to gather and rally the Jedi to his cause is in a big, metal suit he looks like kind of darth vader-esque right like he looks like your traditional sith meanwhile the bad guys look like your traditional jedi um so there's you know they're always kind of twisting something a different way and i like that about this series so that is pretty cool it's a cool looking crew too it does what what anime does at least in my experience really well sometimes where it's kind of getting you built up to the fight where you're like oh man i can't wait to see that guy in the fight and i can't wait to see what happens with this person in the fight um and they also you know that they play with the lightsabers and that this lightsaber smith builds lightsabers that respond to you and their color yes. is determined by your spirit and even the shape and size of them. So they're they're even more mystical, and that makes the reveal when everyone turns on their red lightsabers uh, very cool, where it's like, uh-oh, these aren't just like yeah. misbuilt lightsabers. These people are evil. Um, yeah, I, I, it does throw a wrinkle in like the a Jedi builds his lightsaber and the way he tunes the crystal will determine its color but i like that who knows in the future this guy could make a crystal that responds at least color wise to someone's affinity with the force whether that's light or dark or somewhere in the middle i think that's a cool idea and it was set up in payoff because they want proof that the lightsabers exist and the this robot helper droid kind of presents them with one and they pick it up, but no one had turned it on. But our hero, um, he grabs it and turns it on, and it's a blue blade. But had any of the others 
you know, the, the jig would have been up. It's not until the daughter who escapes an attack on her father gives the lightsabers to them that they're all like, oh, yeah, we're all Jedis, right? Psych. <laughs> and they're just here to kill the one the one Jedi who did show up because he's so naive. And then there's another then, one uh, who calms down and helps the Jedi and realizes and his lightsaber turns purple like a windu because he's almost a bad guy. But yeah, he, he's like an, an owl bear. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's very cool. And then, you know, it's revealed that um, our guy was hiding in the robot suit the whole time. He jumps out. He's looking like Darth Vader, but he's actually a good guy. And then together with him and the, the young Jedi, they fight off kind of these Sith. And it's uh, this this whole thing where they're trying to resurrect the Jedi Order, but it's still a very dangerous time. So I- interesting story i had a hard time placing this it feels to me like this is like rogue one like is this like it i don't know with like the killing of the father like it feels like it's so desperate almost so i I have a hard time figuring out where this takes its influence what do you think yeah i mean i guess it's got to be it's got to be post uh you know uh Order 66 or just I I also got a vibe of this being thousands of years, you know, more like Knights of the Old Republic or the Old Republic related where it's like, wow, this could have been any, you know, hundred year span where the Sith were killing out the Jedi. Right. Um, Yeah, true. (laughs) So, yeah, I I don't know. But I do kind of like that. I like when the episodes don't make a point and almost none of them do of identifying exactly where they are because it shouldn't matter. Star Wars should be big. And all of this makes Star Wars feel bigger rather than smaller, except for maybe the the Tatooine Rhapsody. True, true. And this one has, I think, a little bit of sequel trilogy because we have the the Sabersmith's daughter and she's got like a little robot pal and then she's got a little speeder. So there's a little bit of influence there. And like there's a little bit of Duel of the Fates vibes when you have two Sith fighting one Jedi at moments, you know, like near a big hole, but maybe that's like being a little too vague on it, but I'm just kind of looking at what probably they enjoyed about star Wars. And I like the planet was like snowy and had trees. There's like a cool speeder section when she's yeah. flying through the trees in the snow. That was cool. And it's like, yeah. In star Wars, your planet is either only a forest or only a snow. You don't get <laughs> no, both, right? I, I guess maybe. Well, you do in episode you seven. One biome. There's one forest where uh, Kylo and Rey fight. Uh, oh, you're right. Well, that's that's Star Killer Base. Yeah, that's yeah. not a planet. Okay, yeah, yeah. Not anymore. It's not. <laughs> yeah. uh, it used to be uh, Elam, right? But um, so yeah, interesting stuff here. A lot of kyber crystals. This is the third kyber crystal episode because the duel the twins had the kyber crystal they were fighting over and now this is very focused on kyber crystals maybe kyber crystal watch a good payoff though when she's got the kind of transparent blade the daughter does because she's not you know in tune with the force and then the moment it turns full color you know in the fight is a a cool moment oh yeah that's a great payoff when she actually earns not maybe title jedi but she's got that affinity and she's on the the side of good now. I'll put that right? on like, top anime moments too. That felt very anime. That is a very high level anime moment. Actually, there's one in the third section. Keep an eye out for that. I, I've been holding my back pocket, but for now, let's talk the sixth uh, of these T O B one science. Sorry, again, not too familiar with their work. Let us know uh, in comments. If you know more about their work, um, it seems like uh, there's a little robot. Looks like Astro boy, very Astro boy inspired here. Uh-huh. He's got a, professor who created him and he's doing some type of science work meanwhile the robot is always having dreams of 
being a Jedi and uh, he's just not supposed to go in the basement. At one point he does, which leads to unforeseen consequences for Toby and his creator slash master. What do you think about T.O.B. one Toby? Uh, I was not expecting to enjoy this one that much. And this is uh, one of my favorites. It's just really well animated. I, I remember an interview with the creator when they were hyping the series and him or the director being like, I'm kind of going to make Star Wars Astro Boy. <laughs> I was like, all right, yeah, well, let's see what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was visually great. And also my favorite thing about it is uh, thinking of Kyle Katarn, thinking of um, Jedi Fallen Order, Cal Kestis. These are both instances where we have, or, or, or Luke, these are instances where we have robots kind of guiding Jedi to become Jedi. Um, each of them, like, mm. you know, discovering a robot that was connected to a Jedi. And here, those yeah. memories of a Jedi Master aren't to transform some Jedi. There to transform the robot himself, which was like, yeah, that's cool. Why wouldn't you try to build in like it almost seems like the creator built in this thousands year journey, you know, long for different memories to trigger in the robot's head. Um, and like, oh, yeah, kind of, till he was ready, you know, like kind of like, a you know, a data coming of age, like becoming more human, becoming more like a Jedi. Uh, it was cool. I never thought about that. Yeah, the creator, because he would do these upgrades. He probably built in, yeah, this series of, you know, when when he's ready, these things will unlock. Right. Just like a, a real master Padawan would be like, I'm, I have a curriculum for you and I'll slowly divulge that. But with code, you could, you know, kind of have exactly. it on a, on a system. Like Very when data cool. starts to uh, dream. Yes. <laughs> Just don't let him laugh. <laughs> um <laughs> But the, the uh, so he goes into the basement and, and he discovers uh, the secret that his master was hiding. It's a T sixteen Skyhopper, fantastic, right? a very awesome looking. Good to see. Good yeah. to see one of those in action. Almost never do you get to see that. Very cool. No, I love the T sixteen. Yeah, very cool. But he, he flips some switches and it causes um, a, a Sith or a dark side user to come down and kill his master which is very unfortunate and then he hides away until everything's okay but after he comes out he decides to complete the work of his master um, whatever the science he was doing it turns out they were trying to terraform the planet and um, I think this is Tatooine am I wrong? <laughs> Could I be right? Yeah I have. Thousands of years in the future right? I mean it's a T-16 it's sandy um, might as well be Tatooine you know, it could be, I guess it could be, Jakku yeah, it could be or just another, any of the other sand, <laughs> sand planet out there. Yeah, I guess so. But I really like but the, the architecture. It was very domey. Yeah. Yeah. Although maybe that's just what colonists do, uh, you know, on, on desert planets. Maybe they're reading the same manual. Um, it's easy to just make a dome. Yeah. But I like that transition of time because it does feel like this is a robot. This might've been hundreds of years, right? Like, Robots just working yeah. um, and you don't really have a sense of like how long it's been. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. And then um, eventually the villain does return because he senses a disturbance in the force that the robot gets a vision from his master and um, there's a, there's a battle. There's a lightsaber battle. It's this robot has his own lightsaber and there's a fight against the dark side user when it's pretty good. Actually, yeah, I was cool not fight. expecting it to be that crazy. Yeah. And it's this, it starts to rain, so we're using weather like kind of in an emotional way too. Like the first rain on the planet, now he's in a battle. 
torrent of emotion. Yeah, cool, cool lightsaber. Uh, just uh, cool lightsaber hilts all around uh, in this in this series. Get to see a lot of cool things. Yeah, and I like um, the lore, uh, like because he gets stabbed through the hand, and then the uh, dark side user is surprised. Yeah, he rips his, he gets his arm ripped off. You know, but he has a fighting spirit. But he's like, a droid became a Jedi. And Toby's like, that's right. I'm a Jedi. You don't underestimate me. You know, it's very kind of triumphant moment. Uh, but I like that he got his little buddy to become a jetpack to fly in. Like, that's also a very high level anime moment from this series. For so. sure. So, shout outs to uh, TOB1. Anything else? Oh, yeah. Also, it sounds like OB1 if it was just OB1. So, <laughs> I, didn't I don't even know think if that's intentional. That. Yeah. I don't think it is, but this one's fine in English too. This is, this is a good one to watch um, in English. So, but both are great. Anything else to say on this block of three before we get to the the big finale? No, let's get to the big finale. Let's do it. Let's get to the big finale. We're about to pull the trigger because I'm the elder. <laughs> I don't know. We'll get to it next. I know he's like us. <laughs> We're back. We're here to talk the final three shorts of Star Wars Visions. There's some good stuff in the back end here. There's good stuff in all the Vision stories. However, I think there's definitely not one is without merit. Just some that you might like more than others, and everyone's going to have a different favorite. But uh, for me, not that this is a Stone Cold favorite, but one I enjoyed very much. This block of three, starting with The Elder, done again by Trigger. So they get their second one. We have Lop and Ocho by Gino Studio, another studio I don't know too much about. Uh, but... They are also working with Twin Engine and some of them. Then we have Akakiri from Science Saru, the second one that they did. They also did TOB1. Again, not too familiar, but uh, Akakiri means red fog. Oh, uh, cool. So maybe that's a, uh, a hint at something. But let's start with The Elder by Trigger. Uh, I really appreciated this. The creator of this said he wanted to make a traditional kind of Jidai Geki, which is, you know, Warring States era film about a master and an apprentice who goes somewhere and face an unknown threat. And like that is just the best Jedi master Padawan setup ever. And I just think this is great. What do you think about the elder? This is what I've wanted for so long out of Jedi. Uh, Jedi can be so boring um, when it's kind <laughs> of all these grand scale politics. And I just wanted a prequel movie that was just Obi-Wan and Anakin like bonding. Like episode two, splitting up Obi-Wan and Anakin drives me nuts. This is what I wanted mm -hmm. out of this is kind of master Padawan off on an adventure and like, sure, maybe they get some time separately, you know, to deal with things. But it's mostly about their journey together in an unknown place, like in somewhere we yeah. haven't been before, all kind of concentrated. Um, I, I loved it. I'll, I'll spoil it. This is my favorite. Um, I wouldn't say it's objectively the best. It just really satisfied uh, an itch I've been wanting to scratch. Nice. Yeah. And I place this firmly in. This was inspired by the prequels. That's why we had the Padawan master relationship more clearly defined and, you know, flying around master. What are we doing? What if I want to be reckless? Don't be reckless. You know, like, OK. Yeah. Um, so I did like seeing that. And I like that he explores the outer rim somewhere new, just like you said. And like, why? Why would you split up Anakin and Obi-Wan? Why was Obi-Wan staying on the ship while... Qui-Gon went to Tatooine like they constantly had their Padawans separated from their masters and didn't explore that until the Clone Wars series so it's like 
yeah, here's how you do it right. Yeah. Just a master and his Padawan go somewhere and face an unknown threat. That unknown threat being to me, I'm like, we're looking at things that they're switching around. What if Yoda was just a dark side user? Like this <laughs> yeah, yeah. ancient being that was so powerful in dark side. Very interesting antagonist. And uh, what happens, you know, they're investigating who is this new elder who came to the planet. The villagers don't really know. And they kind of figured out this dude might be a dark side or a Sith. Um, what a maybe my favorite uh, moment in the whole series is that like when when the Jedi senses a disturbance in the force, you actually feel it as a threat. Um, the sound design across the series is really good. When they do rely on the old Star Wars library, they use it in creative ways or pick some sounds that I haven't heard reused over and over and over and over again. Uh, True. I hope Ben Burt gets royalties on all of that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there's this, you know, nice sound and kind of uh, just a setup is like, oh, there's something really bad um, out here. Like it, it feels heavy in a cool way, um, almost to the point where I'm like, I think this Padawan's going to get killed, uh, which maybe I would have preferred. But maybe they're trying to get a series out of this thing. Man, this is the one that like I want more adventures with these two or even just that one. If indeed the Padawan did die, they fi- they hint at it. They fake you out. They think the Padawan dies. Um, I, I agree. Probably should have, because then it's just like, man, how many Padawans do you get as a Jedi? This has got to be terrible. That's what I wanted to see his Padawan die and him kind of shrug it off as if this is another flaw of the Jedi. They just kind of go through Padawans, you know, like oh, this. And guy if you're lucky enough it. to survive, like that's it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It's another wrinkle. But so with this uh, elder, he says he's not even a Sith. He's like the Sith were so preoccupied with trying to outsmart each other that they never could fulfill their true potential. So like I'm just out here being super evil i don't even know what to call myself and he's <laughs> yeah. he's a he is crazy dude he just like i want to fight strong people which is a very anime thing yeah but. yeah for sure you get the sense that maybe he's from when there was like a broad sith school and he's just been around for hundreds and hundreds of maybe he is as old as yoda right yeah like you were saying and he's yeah like what what is yoda evil yeah uh, right and, i like the fight by the way this is my favorite yeah. fight in the entire anthology yeah, I'm really glad that the action paid off here because I was enjoying it so much. Um, and the buildup uh, really does. And uh, you mentioned to me I when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, yeah, we do get the rain on the lightsaber blades. Maybe not as cool as it is in the Gindy's Clone Wars no. where the steam hits with every little pelt. But they we do get some highlighted blades. It. Yeah. Which we didn't get in Rise of Skywalker. I rewatched the fight in the water and yeah. they're not like steaming. I'm yeah. like. It was upsetting. It was upsetting. Yeah, the use of lightsaber fight should only be in the rain. Uh, I also wanted to mention, I watched all of these in English first because I couldn't find the option to Mm -hmm. watch them in Japanese. Um, But found out that the the master is played by David Harbour, uh, which is interesting. Did not recognize his voice at all, but I loved uh, his performance. Um, Really? I thought it was awesome, yeah. Well, this is where we're we're at, at a difference here because I wrote in my notes here worst VO of the dub. Wow, uh, I was um, immediately I think, taken by it. I felt it was very prequel uh, era Jedi, but in a way that I like. I guess because it was so like Jedi Geki in its 
trappings like looks like an old japanese style when they get to the planet actually right it's like i and the the evil dude was a lot scarier i think with your traditional cheesy japanese villain voice but that could be just me i didn't like david harbour i didn't get wisdom out of him but maybe it's just not my flavor i think that's uh, part of the performance for me was like he didn't seem He's like he was unwise. He seemed like a Jedi of the prequel era, which are really these flawed, like, you know, like when he was like, uh, his Padawan was like, maybe it's a Sith. And he's like, oh, no, the Sith have been dead for hundreds of and years. I really hope not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like, no, you're, you're just a Jedi fool like the rest of them. Um, maybe you're a little bit badass. But yeah, I liked, yeah. I liked his voice. I don't know if I would have liked it as much if I would have been able to place a face to it going in. You know, like, knowing right this away. is David Harbour. I was just like, who is this guy who sounds vaguely like Harrison Ford as a Jedi? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. Just as enthusiastic <laughs> yeah, about it, yeah. too. Um, one thing I did like about this, I don't know if this is something we've had in Star Wars, is a new kind of morality idea or a new theme. Not morality, but a new, let's say thematic idea where it is i didn't defeat that guy time defeated him because like he couldn't defeat old age he was super powerful if he was younger he would have killed me dude like we got lucky because he was old (laughs) and he he says um power is a impermanent because the idea of the sith is they want infinite unlimited power right they want to live forever they want to defeat death and even this most powerful Sith couldn't defeat old age, but that's all they want to do. But the idea that no matter how much power you have, even as a Jedi, he says, you'll lose it. Like even me, I'm getting older every day. Like I am getting less powerful by the day and that will happen to everyone. So when you get power, don't think it's going to last forever and try to use it for good because you're not going to have it for long. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting stronger. I'm getting weaker. Doesn't even give his Padawan a shout out for throwing the lightsaber as a distraction. <laughs> to get the distraction. Doesn't even yeah. say good job. Just keeps on moving. <laughs> That's why well, we, we didn't really win. Yeah, you didn't hit him. <laughs> I had to do the work. <laughs> and then his cool but, uh, shit blows up. So there's no evidence. No evidence. And we, we move ship. on to the next week on Padawan and Master. Um, and finally, I got someone who was in a lightsaber clash of sorts turning it off. And then just applying it to the body and turning it back on. I've been waiting to see that for 20 years. So. Great move. Finally did it. Great move. Do it more often, lightsaber duelists out there. Trust me, you'll win a lot of battles that way. Uh, anything else for the Elder before we move on to what I think is the surprise episode of this whole anthology? Um, no, give me more. That's that's all I have to say. I want, I want more yeah. of that out of Star Wars. I want a movie that isn't even connected to the timeline. Don't give me the timeline. Just send me an isolated dual Jedi adventure on a planet and let it be a one-off. Give me that Star Wars story, Disney. Yeah, right? In the Outer Rim. Like, you have it right here. Yeah. <laughs> Just do that. Just do this feature length. And we're good. Yeah. Or 22 minutes every week. Uh, next episode, Lapinocho. Uh, Gino Studio. Again, not too familiar with their work. Um, but this is... The Empire has taken over many, many planets at this point. They're colonizing. They're getting slave labor. One of these slaves that looks like a bunny person, uh, Star Wars for Furries edition, escapes and then is adopted somewhat reluctantly by, I guess, the local boss of the, um, the town or the village or the prefecture and his daughter and grows up and lives with them. Eight years later, the Empire is 
trying to take over more stuff. The daughter wants to ally with them and the father does not. And there's a rift in the family. And the adopted daughter has to choose sister or father. What is my place? What is right? What is wrong? And it's an interesting little story. What do you think about Lop and Ocho? Uh, wasn't expecting to enjoy this one, um, but this one really is the one that goes against what Disney has established as Star Wars and is really like, you know what? It's not about bloodline. Uh, family isn't about blood. Um, and we have, you know, at, by the end of it, the father basically giving the giving Lop his inheritance, his adopted uh, bunny daughter <laughs> gets mm-hmm. is more, you know, uh, in line for that inheritance than the antagonist sister. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was a good it was a good quick plot. They, they got that together. Uh, it was an accomplishment to do that in under 20 minutes, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And they, they do the time jump seven years. So you're introduced to kind of the backstory of Lop and where she comes from and then gets adopted. And then now the, the daughter that was young is now an older. She's a young woman and Lop's older now, too. And the father's a little bit older and the Empire's trying to get more of a squeeze. I like that it showed this is what happens when planets are colonized by the empire you know it's like oh we'll give you resources we'll get we'll help you out but really like you know as colonizers tend to do they have ulterior motives they're not your your best interest is generally not uh, in their mind but the daughter thinks it is and so it's really about a family being torn apart because of ideology ideology and um someone who's trapped in the middle and that's hard i mean this day and age not to do political but Sometimes you end up in a situation where it's like there's people you care about who believe two very different things or want two very different things. And where do you stand there? Right. What is what is that? So interesting. There's times in this like where I teared up in the idea that it's a bunny. But when she is fighting her sister because her sister wants so badly to join the Empire and thinks you don't get it. They're going to help us. And Lop just says, I will never stop fighting until I save my real sister. I was like, man, that's a real big anime moment. Yeah, like, I'll never top, give up. That's a top anime you're moment. my family. And it was well executed. Um, I mean, it's been a while since uh, Star Wars. It's been since the original trilogy when we got some like kind of broad open themes like that. And maybe what felt the most old school Star Wars to me and this whole thing is that kind of like, you know, the dad just being like, you are my daughter. She's my daughter. Never let go of that. You know, and like, mm-hmm. this is what family is, even though it's not about blood or even the future of this town. Like the idea is that like this family is so sacred. This is what matters more than anything. And it felt very earnest um, in a refreshing way for me. Yeah, it really it really did. And, the, and those themes really hit. And the idea that he passed down, we have a lightsaber in this uh, and the idea is that this has been passed down for generations. The Jedi are presumably long gone. This is just a Jedi landed on the planet, trained one of their ancestors and gifted it to him. And then now that's been the family heirloom. Their crest even looks like the Jedi logo, but kind of turned into a swan. Very interesting stuff where it's like just this ancient heirloom. And uh, that's what Lop uses to kind of defend the father and the family. Even at one point, I think picking up one of his blades. So she's holding the family lightsaber and the, the dagger at the end there. So interesting idea. Like I said, timeline to me feels like after the Jedi, maybe the empire's just kicked too much ass for too long or, or whatever. It's hard to place, but definitely yeah. 
another one that feels like influenced by Rogue One to me. What is this? Influ- like, it doesn't feel like anything, but that like the Empire kind of taking over planets feels. Yeah, I feel like we that, get kind of similar plot lines in Rebels, right? Where it's like, here yeah. comes the Empire being the big bad Empire and draining resources and the pol- the politics of like, ah, safety. No, they're, we got to fight. Um, yeah. But uh, visually, too, just like a uh, great landscape great kind of like middle ground between old star wars and something different um, i thought we have another star destroyer in atmosphere which i never like to see but it did look cool rogue one yeah. yeah yeah um there we go yeah that's true that's true i think it looked like the they had a little y-wing silhouette when they were looking at the family heir- heirloom history and the woodblock prints yeah so maybe yeah. That, maybe a y-wing maybe, maybe that there. was you Maybe that was you. Maybe it was me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I lost my lightsaber. It's true. It's in a box. But this one was surprising. They had like a film grain effect on there. And, Heavy um, film the, grain effect. <laughs> like yeah. turned up to 10. And the sword was in. The lightsaber was interesting because it had a clear, probably the clearest oh. katana blade. It even had etching along the side yeah. of the family name. It's like, you know, could you do that with a light beam? No, but does it look cool in anime? Heck yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I, I'm with it. So. Uh, anything else for Lop and Ocho before we get to Akakiri, the last of these episodes? No, let's get on to the last one here. All right. So we have Akakiri from Science Saru. Not too familiar with their work either. Um, 100%. This is Hidden Fortress. So heavy. And and I'll get into some of that reference after we explain um, the plot. But uh, as I said, Akakiri means red fog. We're introduced to a samurai a jedi named subaki he is returned to his planet because he learned that his friend um and potentially ex-lover uh the princess has been run out of her house by her aunt who is a dark side user and he's trying to help out he keeps having visions of uh something terrible happening um throughout this process and they're being guided by two peasants uh to sneak through and get to where the aunt is to hopefully overthrow her and reclaim the family house what do you think of Akakiri? We get a uh, we get a cool B wing in the opening, Mike. Gotta love we that. We do get a B wing, although we don't get yes. the, the ejection sequence that I would have liked, like you do in um, Rebel Assault Two. But whatever, um, <laughs> you know, just visually, this one's really cool, um, and also some of the most I, I think has the most interesting ending um, out of any of them. I, I really like this one too. Yeah, this one's quite intriguing. Um, If I can now get into the hidden fortress of it real quick, because it's pretty on its face. I mean, even the design of the princess looks a lot, a lot like the princess from Hidden Fortress, who was played by, I'm looking at my criterion notes here, was played by Misa Uehara and is named Misa in this. The Jedi is named Tsubaki. Uh, That character was played by Toshir Mifune, who played... Uh, Yojimbo, yeah. whose name was Subaki Yojimbo, Subaki Sanjiro. So, naming the character after a different Mufine character, and even the peasants have similar names to what their actors' names were in Hidden Fortress. Um, so, the design of it, um, the having to smuggle a princess thing is very, one of the themes of Hidden Fortress 2. They're trying to sneak out the family gold from the incoming empire, right? So... Gotcha. It's definitely the most. This is Hidden Fortress. Star Wars is Hidden Fortress. Yeah. So now we're going to reverse it, right? 
Um, so I found that quite interesting. The plot itself does diverge where you have these flashbacks. And I think the Akakiri, the red fog, is this fog on his mind of this impending danger or doom. Uh, and, w- and what does that kind of turn into at the end once we get the princess where they're trying to be and confront the villain? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, villain is awesome. I love I love this uh, Sith aunt. She's I would watch a show about about her. But we get that classic mm-hmm. Anakin trying to save, you know, save someone that, that's been lost. Only we do yeah. get the resurrection. The princess is slain. And resurrected by the power of the dark side, and the cost of it is the loss of our hero to that dark side becoming the apprentice. Yes. And this is—it's funny because uh, you know the the last one, or, or I guess whichever previous episode I was talking about, where it's kind of like, no, it's not about family. Yeah, Lapinochos. It's not about bloodline. Yeah. It's about family and the Force. And this is like you know someone fighting against fate which is kind of the prequel tr- trilogy is about fate and he's fighting against fate. And at the end, uh, he's not able to, you know, stop fate. Uh, the, the evil thing does happen, but I'm wondering, does that mean that you can't fight your fate or is this just about a Sith who is so powerful, you know, that there's no overcoming it? Um, I no, that's an interesting question. Cause I wonder, um, like was, Palpatine that powerful or was it fate you know is it fate that Anakin's going to become Darth Vader is it fate that this guy is going to turn right I guess that's the duel of the fates yeah yeah um they were dueling for Anakin's soul essentially if if Maul wins it's going straight to Palpatine if uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon win he might have a chance but yeah I like that we have the twins for example earlier on it's like I'm going to stop Destiny, you're not going to die, sister. I will st- save you, sister. Again, Lapanocho family is important, um, and we're going to fight against destiny. When this one, it's like, no, you cannot do that. Um, so we have a battle between determinism and free will out here, and I don't know which side <laughs> Star Wars is landing on. Yeah, yeah. What a way to end the the series, <laughs> like for a series that is mostly you know kind of uplifting uh, tales. Uh, they end on a dark note. They do end on a dark note. Like we, we open, you know, let's say with the duel of a dark side person who is trying to find some sense of redemption. And then we have a light side person trying to fight destiny and failing to do so. And even though he saves his love, she will never want to look at him again. You know what I yeah. mean? She's disgusted with what it took to bring her He's back. He's now the like, apprentice of her father's murderer. Mm-hmm. Unforgivable. Crazy. Yeah, unforgivable. So very interesting episode thematically, interesting art style, and again, brings everything back around to the Hidden Fortress um, and the origins of Star Wars. So I think that was very cool um, that they kind of ended, they kind of bookended it with that, with like, what if Star Wars redid Yojimbo, and then what if Star Wars redid Hidden Fortress itself? You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah, I I almost feel like uh, it is kind of, a nice kind of aggressive like stamp of like, by the way, in case you didn't know, this is what was stolen. Like this is where star Wars mm-hmm. comes from. It's, it's really based in, you know, these cultural icons from Japan and the hero's journey. You yeah, put yeah. those two together. 
I mean, like they, I think they told McCreary, like, yeah, like make Darth Vader kind of look like a samurai helmet, and that's why it's got yeah. that flaring out aspect to it. So, you know, it's cool that it comes comes back in a way. Um, and I think art is rad when it's influenced by stuff. So to see all nine of these episodes, and then the way that they've interpreted Star Wars has been quite interesting for sure. And I just like there's a lot of poetry and they rhyme. And, you know, that's nine out of nine, I say. We should uh, go ahead and hit final thoughts, final questions, final kind of analysis of this anthology as a whole, Star Wars Visions. Coming up next, Enormous Like Us. Welcome back. That's right. It's Normies Like Us. We just finished talking all nine of the sagas of Star Wars Visions, all nine of the stories that they've uh, compiled here. And um, I guess just right off the bat, we were talking about kind of Star Wars and where it has influenced these things. There's a couple Star Wars tropes that we get in here. Obviously, they're pretty heavy on kyber crystals. They're pretty heavy on freezing bolts. Did we get and I have a bad feeling about this in every episode? I think we did. Uh, when I was going through and rewatching, uh, I think I rewatched four of them and there was one in each. So I think it's probably every episode. Yeah, I, I would bet on that because, um, you know, I was watching in Japanese and English and sometimes you know, it's on a second screen. So I might have missed, but I'm pretty sure they got one of those and everything. Um, what do we think looking at the zoomed out are the big things that really these anime studios were most kind of intrigued by and exploring in the Star Wars universe, at least on this first round here? Well, I mean, lightsabers win, right? I mean, not only do we have an episode almost purely focused on the lightsaber, uh, we have the lightsaber being a critical element of each one. And they're in everything. There are no no lightsaber-free episodes here. Yes. So, sword as a important iconography thing for a culture i understand why lightsaber may have been attractive to uh you know japanese uh creative uh, artists and stuff right because obviously that's what george lucas took yeah, yeah. Well, it's a scalibur too i mean it's 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 a it's an ancient kind of thing and swords in the are cool. human mind swords are fucking cool and the lightsaber is the coolest of them all so obviously and i wouldn't care if disney was like hey you know the other eight studios are doing lightsabers too. You want to do something different? I'm like, you're giving me a chance to do a lightsaber fight. I'm doing a lightsaber fight. Get out of here. <laughs> like, I'm not going to pass that opportunity up. I'm going to make it an umbrella too. Just deal with it. Um, I, I often am like anti lightsaber in my star Wars. I love if you can get a movie in without any lightsabers or, or a TV episode, even it's one of the things mm-hmm. I liked about the first season of the Mandalorian uh, a lot, but yeah, when you're talking about, yeah, anime studios, I don't begrudge, you know, I wanted to see lightsabers in anime. <laughs> and also, yeah. I trust anime studio studios with Jedi more than I trust Disney, right? Like, I'm I, with you. I think it's uh, a better, uh, uh, they did a better job here than, than maybe. I think they did a better job of illustrating the many kind of sides, facets, the the nuance that could exist within a Jedi slash Sith force user. Like we have the um, remorseful Sith. We have, you know, uh, the Padawan master relationship. We, we, we get a lot of different shades of it here. A Padawan who lost their master and doesn't feel ready. A, a robot that wants to be a Jedi. They're just adding a lot to 
that world like more than even the sequel trilogies did like more interesting ideas yeah for sure uh but uh, i I took us off course you were talking about things that they they drew from uh in star wars most heavily um so yeah lightsabers for me obviously family um was a big theme uh you get two about saving your siblings and then the margrave was the the daughter of the sabersmiths uncle or something like there was there was a a relationship since childhood too so there's like a family bond between them even though her father was killed so yeah the family's a big part of it i I guess it would be the philosophical elements of star wars really intrigued uh, these storytellers because that's what they explored more spaceships and space battles get that out of here at least in these ones right more interested in the personal drama and and sword fighting which (laughs) who can blame them but a lot less uh, force usage than I would have expected. You know, not I expected a lot of force some, usage, like, yeah. New, big, and maybe that was one of Disney's stipulation is like, you don't get to invent force powers. But we yeah. did have a moment in um, in the, the Bride that I forgot to mention where her high heels tur- like, turn into robot speed shoes at the end. Do you remember oh, that? yeah. She does so a robot she uses speed force speed, but it's with shoes. So that was Technology. interesting. That's right. Interesting. Was there, is there one moment of force use that stands out to you that they did do in this? Um, no, aside from too many laser bolts freezing or, or maybe not too many, that just happened a lot. I can't, I can't think of uh, force usage that kind of like seemed cool to me. I just think uh, the one that stands out to me is in the duel when the actual Sith villain shows up, the Trandoshan's like, Oh shit, it's a Sith. Nobody fight. Nobody get close. Get out of here. And then he just gets force <laughs> choked and pulled in. It was like, oh, poor guy. You tried to warn him. Like he knew, like, this is not it, dude. We're out of here. <laughs> but, poor um, guy. Yeah, poor guy. But it's good to see the Trandoshan. Here, here, let's do this wrap up then before we pick maybe our favorite or least favorite. What is, in your opinion, the most anime Star Wars moment out of anime Star Wars parts one through nine? Well, I, I think you, it, it's hard to beat what you said. Uh, man rides X-Wing holding lightsaber fully extended into the sky, cuts Star Destroyer in half. Um, I think that's probably the, the thing you're <laughs> least likely to see in a Star Wars film. I'll put it that way. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. As far as, yeah, if we're looking at over-the-top action element straight at it, you know, triggers playbook, like, that's it for sure. But then I think the emotional, like anime has a lot of themes of friendship and camaraderie and the, the bonds of, with the people who are important to us, you know, and you know, what is family and, and is family your blood or is it your friends or the, a lot of that, you know, big anime themes, Naruto boys, you know, they know all about the shonen love, you know, but uh, for that, I say Lapanocho, like that whole thing. And it's a bunny. Like, that's probably the second most anime Star Wars thing. And just, I'm going to save my sister <laughs> yeah, no yeah, matter what. I'll never give up. Never give up is a big Naruto thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, uh, it's funny. If you if you combine the emotionality of Lapanocho with kind of uh, some of uh, the Elder stylistically, I feel like you're hitting Hunter x Hunter territory pretty quick. Mm. <laughs> Start slamming those things together. Yeah, things uh, are getting really interesting at that point, for sure. Um, all right. I guess we can go ahead and, you know, you, you mentioned your favorite, but if you want to reiterate, but yeah, maybe favorite, least favorite and an honorable mention. Let's do that. Okay, cool. Well, I, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, the, the elder is my personal favorite gave me exactly what I wanted. Um, my least favorite is probably the bride. Um, 
uh, but I don't begrudge it anything. You know, it doesn't upset me mm-hmm. at all. It just, like you said, kind of bored me a little bit. Um, and then honorable mention, I, I mean, probably four of them I could give honorable mentions to, but I think objectively, yeah, like, uh, I understand why they put the duel first. Um, you know, it's not, it's, there's nothing that's hard to swallow in that one for a new viewer. Uh, and it's just really well done. So that'd be my, yeah. my honorable mention then. Well, then your honorable mention would have been my, I think I'm going to say it's my favorite just because of that umbrella and the way it was mirroring, uh, Revenge of the Sith so much. Sorry, talk a lot of Star Wars. You start forgetting about Star Wars. Um, <laughs> the way it had like these thematic, like dead on notes. I'm a big Yojimbo guy. Um, other than that, I would say the twins. It just it's so cool and the animation and the the idea of like this dyad of evil, um, like dark side force users, and then the other one feels the pull to the light. You know, it's like I like that. That was very fun. And the, the X wing thing is like crazy. Uh, least favorite, I, I don't want to say Village Bride, but it is low. Again, I don't begrudge it, but I'll say probably Tatooine Rhapsody because it does the least to introduce new. And it doesn't mean it's bad, but it, gotcha. you're right. It, it is the most kind of retreading things that we're already familiar with as opposed to introducing new things. But, gotcha. Um, can, yeah. can I ask you, do you think they're going to turn it? Do you think Disney has an eye out to turn any of these into a limited series or, you know, uh, are these pilot projects basically? Well, you know what? I was thinking about the other series on Disney these days, uh, animated, What If. And What If feels like a vehicle for them to reintroduce you to characters who are going to be important in Phase 4 movies. Like, hey, remember Ant-Man? There's there's another Ant-Man movie coming out. But also to, like, litmus test, like, do, do they like the zombie stuff? Should we do another one? Do they like evil Doctor Strange? Should we do that? So I think... Like with that, you could see some of those characters crossing over into live action if they get a reception with Star Wars Visions. Yeah, maybe there's an incubator thing. I think it's hard for them to, for me to see them committing to an anime series or a feature. But look at the success Netflix is having with its anime series. Maybe they want to get in on that. And this is, you have some really strong pilots. So yeah, I could totally see that. And we kind of talked about this, but if you were picking three of these to have a best chance at being standalone properties, which would you pick? Obviously the elder, I think is a good episodic format, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like, um, the duel is maybe a little too, I, I mean, really all these kind of like story of the week things is what they'd be. It'd be the Mandalorian or the book of Boba Fett. Uh, but I'll take more and more of it. So give me the duel as a series. I think Lapinocho might be their best chance to bring in new, you know, new fans um, reach kind of a broader audience. I think regular Star Wars fans are going to watch that. I think uh, anime fans are going to watch that. I think people that like bunnies are going to watch that. So, mm-hmm. you know, those might yep. be the ones I put my, my money on. Uh, and they're also some of the most tame as far as playing inside the universe. The elder is something that would skew towards that Castlevania audience. And then you could do like a Toby adventures, you know, for the kids but I think Lapinocho is right in the middle. It's got that shonen vibe, like the young young adult, like, you know, believe in yourself. You can do anything if you try. Good vibes. And then it's the only one that ended on a cliffhanger because the sister gets away. She flies away on an Imperial ship and, you know, we don't know what happened. So it feels like the dad, I think, is dead or at least is blind now. He lost his eye. So Lapinocho is the one that when it ended, I'm like, 
I want to see the conclusion because I want her to get her sister back. I was so touched by that theme. So, yeah. It felt very, I feel like that one would become a feature length film just in like kind of, it felt very cinematic and uh, did. a specific way. I guess maybe that the oodles and noodles of film grain, they threw on that to nerd. The film grain will really do it. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. But I, who knows? I mean, I think this is a great first outing. Uh, maybe they got the lightsabers out of their system and there'll be some space battles in the next uh, anthology. Because, I mean, Gundam Wing's got some sick space battles, but they also still have yeah. lightsabers with yeah. a giant robot holding it. So, yeah. I would have loved for one of the lightsaber ignitions to make the beam saber ignition noise. That would have been really cool. <laughs> That would have been a nice touch. And and to all you animators out there uh, in Japan who might get to do the next Visions, uh, make a, a Gundam piloted by a Jedi that has a giant lightsaber, all right? And a Seth, Gu- a Sith Gundam, please. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's sure. probably the most anime Star Wars <laughs> thing we'd ever see, right? Uh, sign me up. But uh, overall, let's get a final thoughts on um, Star Wars Visions. You know, what do you rate it out of 10 and do you recommend it? And uh, yeah. Uh, I absolutely recommend it. I give it a an 8.5 out of 10. Um, again, I don't think any of these are, are perfect necessarily. Or, uh, you know, if you're not a Star Wars fan, it's not going to blow your mind, any of these. Um, but this is a way that I want Disney to dish out that money is take some Star Wars and put it out of your hands because I miss the, you know, the, the 90s Star Wars where people were doing crazy things with the franchise that, you know, aren't standing in the way of the canon because they're kind of these auxiliary pieces. And I'd like more of this stuff where we don't even know who it's connected to. Please, 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 please. I don't need to see any cameo from any major character or minor character. Just like throw me out in the universe and make it seem big, please. Yeah, like like we said multiple times with the Elder, it's just out somewhere with characters we don't know. The timeline's quasi vague, we, we, and it's fine. I, I think the best thing this did, and I do recommend it. I'd say you know, nine out, nine out, ten out of ten at best, six point five out of ten at worst. You know, depending on which episode, but it is definitely worth checking out. And because it's introducing you to new Star Wars, it's not retreading it's not oh that's bo katan from the clone wars you know it's all new stuff and uh i think star wars has been hamstring by like needing to be related to the skywalkers or plans that they have been to right it's like no just get out there do some different stuff and that's what we get here and you have nine different flavors of it so check it out if you like star wars if you like anime maybe it'll bridge the gap you know yeah it's uh, an 8.5 for me but an a plus (laughs) yes The grading scale is different out here. <laughs> Give it an A for anime. Um, Absolutely. On this. But uh, that's pretty much it for this episode on Star Wars Visions. Let us know what you thought of the Star Wars Vision series or, you know, other uh, links and references and connections that these have to Star Wars that we missed out here. Before we get out of here, though, Adam, do you want to plug anything? I know uh, BC Ness, we wish you were here. Uh, rest of the boys let us know where we can find your work and what you've been up to lately well you can catch me on twitch.tv slash elegant weapon every tuesday at uh, uh it is 7 p.m pst which is 10 p.m eastern 9 p.m central uh, are you gonna hit utc do you know? <laughs> no never never do the mountain time never do utc 
Universal time code? Is that what that means? That's what it is. Yeah. Sorry out there. Check 7 p.m. PST. Um, I do a show with BC Nest called The Cargo Bay. Uh, we mostly open Star Wars trading cards on that show when we can afford to. Um, otherwise, we're opening cards from obscure franchises or just old movies from the 80s. Um, and we talk a lot of Star Wars there. And occasionally, uh, you know, we also just play a movie in our Discord no no audio over the top we just play the movie and people can chat in the chat um yeah so it's, it's a good time over there and also twitch.tv slash bc nest where bc is usually drawing star wars things early in the morning um yeah it's fantastic it's great for your your morning wake up you get to see some art being done then you get some card packs in the evenings on tuesdays and if you're lucky you can enter the giveaways like i did and I have a card from the Cargo Bay. If you're watching on YouTube, it is a very cool Gendi um, Obi-Wan Kenobi fighting a droidica. And it is awesome. It's always on my desk. And shout outs to the Cargo Bay uh, for that one. Thank um, you. Well, we've upped yeah. those raffles, too, because a lot of times we're opening cards with no value. So now these raffles are predetermined cards that are cool cards. Our last giveaway was some some refractor Vaders from the Star Wars Galaxy set. Uh, so how about that? And we've I already got Topps cards for... Uh, for a Star Wars Visions. How about that? No way. Tops That's incredible. Direct, uh did five sets. You're, you're running out of time. It's probably already out of time by the time this episode comes out. But there's right. a, a set of cards for each episode. They're they're expensive and uh, not really mm. not really great. <laughs> but they're out there if you want to. They're out there, right. Well, very cool, very cool. Yeah, definitely check that out. And then on our end, we are Normies Like Us on the socials. You can go to our YouTube, Normies Like Us, if you want to watch the video podcast. Otherwise, please rate, like, share. We suggest to a friend, your neighbor, your mom, even if she doesn't like anime or Star Wars, just tell her you made it. And then she'll listen to it and say you did a great job. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we appreciate you always joining us on these. Um, Joe, Jacob, Colin, they'll be back in the future. Uh, BC Ness and Adam or Elegant will be at the Cargo Bay next time around. And thank you for joining us. I guess signing off, this is Mike to podcast host do. <laughs> I didn't remember it. <laughs> uh, this is uh, Adam Antilles, the most common last name <laughs> in the universe. Just your milquetoast guest here. Thanks again for having me. Uh, love the show. Uh, and uh, hope hope all, all your co-hosts are back soon. Hey, appreciate that. And it's always fun to talk Star Wars with you. We do it a lot even off the pod, but now the, the listeners get to enjoy it. Everyone be safe out there. Be good to your neighbor. Be good to everyone around you. Don't be evil. Don't be Sith. Just live good and power is temporary. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye. My name is Optimus Prime, leader of the Autobots. If you don't like, share, subscribe, or visit our YouTube, remember, I will kill you.